um, I was looking back at the t- at the TV, and um, so we're talking about the armor of God. And, and d- do any of you have an armor like this in your in your, in your home? This is what you wear, like uh, when you go into the prayer closet. This is what you put on um, <laughs> in your mind. Well, if uh, if you're just joining um, the God's Pearls study uh, for this. Um, I guess season or or, or this study, uh, we are exploring a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 where the Apostle Paul gives um, uh, details of the armor of God. You might be familiar with this uh, passage, uh, you might not. So turn to your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Ronald, I'm one of the pastors at the church. Uh, of all the things that we do, this is probably one of my favorite um, opportunities that I get to teach. Uh, it has nothing to do with the yummy food in the back, I promise you. Nothing to do with the food. Um, but it's just a joy uh, to, to grab some of these subjects. We've, we've done all sorts of things, Psalm 23, uh, the spiritual gifts. And uh, um, Belinda and Peter and um, whomever else is in charge of coming up with these um, topics, uh, they thought it'd be a good idea to walk through the armor of God. Um, so last last time you ladies met, uh, Pastor Peter gave um, some sort of introduction. Uh, I wasn't here, so I have no idea what he said. Um, I'm sure it was awesome. I'm sure it was um, insightful. Uh, but what I wanted to do is... is uh, maybe attach a little bit of context to this passage, uh, looking ahead into some of the other guys and folks who are going to come and speak on each one of these elements of um, the uh, armor. And so to do that, I wanted to read these seven verses uh, with you. Um, So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Um, So I'll read these. So Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So this morning we're going to be looking at um, that second to last uh, item in the armor, the helmet of salvation. Um, you know, the, the, the armor of God works as one unit. Um, it, it, it works as, as one cohesive piece of, of uh, defense and offense. Um, and what we want to do is just, is, is, is they, each piece does not exist independently of each other, right? Uh, they're each part of the unit, but we want to just kind of prod and ask questions. What does it mean? What 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 does the helmet of salvation mean? What does the sword of the spirit mean? What what the shield of faith? Um, how are these pieces helpful to Christian living? Um, how are they helpful to you? 
And so while we break them down, while we're going to break them down, uh, don't lose sight that they, they provide a cohesive front. So to help us figure out what um, the helmet of salvation is, uh, I, I just divided this small little talk in three questions, very helpful questions, a question, uh, or two questions actually. Uh, what is it? What is the helmet of salvation? And what is it for? So you could, if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to explore what is it? What is a helmet of salvation? Um, if you notice, this lovely young lady is not wearing a helmet, uh, so her uh, armor is incomplete. But but what is the helmet of salvation? Uh, just yesterday, I took my kids, uh, my girls, bike riding before um, our small group, and um, neither one of them decided to wear a helmet. Um, and um, I was not happy with them. I said, you know, uh, praise the Lord, I survived growing up with no helmets, uh, but I have the scars to prove it. And certainly, as one of them was coming back into the house, uh, she fell on her bike and, and um, actually hit, hit her knee. But in the, the, there's a usefulness to the helmet. The, the helmet protects from something. Um, so what is it? What exactly is the helmet of salvation? Paul, in his writings, is very helpful in giving us a number of colorful metaphors, um, colorful descriptions of, of our faith and, and our walk with God. And he does, though, he does this with this armor of God. Um, but what is the helmet of salvation? Um, that phrase is, is actually only spoken in three passages in the entire Bible. The first one is in Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 verses 15 through 17 says this, The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He, that is God, put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So certainly, when Paul uses the language of the armor of God, uh, certainly he is pulling from um, his experience uh, living in first century, uh, you know, Judy, uh, first century Israel, uh, probably being in prison in Rome. Uh, he's pulling from what he sees. So he sees Roman soldiers wearing armor. He's pulling from that. Uh, but that's not all he's pulling from. The, the, this, this image of God wearing an armor. And in that context of Isaiah 59, the prophet Isaiah is condemning the people of Israel for how they've lived their lives, for, for how, they've, they, 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 how wicked they had become, how much they had resisted and gone against justice and, and, and uh, uh, how they've treated each other, how they killed each other, describes you know, streets you know, uh, 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 just covered in blood and all that type of stuff. And, and, and so God metaphorically puts on the powers of a fully equipped warrior to go battle the injustices, to go battle the evil. God is standing, Isaiah pictures God standing to the side and then saying, that's it, I'm done with this. Uh, people of Israel, you, you have gone too far, now I'm going to step in and fix what's wrong. And so Isaiah pictures God putting on these pieces of of armor uh, to do a number of things, to oppose sin, 
to uh, resist unrighteousness, uh, uh, to uphold uh, just living. And so this is part of the background of where Paul would get this, this image. And that gives the image to not just a helmet of salvation, but the other parts. It gives them kind of deeper biblical meaning. That Paul is not just saying that Christians, when you put on the armor of God, you look and act like what a soldier would act like. It, at the surface level, that's part of it. But it's deeper. He's saying, when you do that, you, you're actually behaving in a way that God behaved. This is what God has done himself. He has, he has vested himself. He has put on a, a certain clothing that, that, that he's put on it for a purpose, right? You, you put armor on um, to do something. You put a helmet on not to take a shower, you know, you don't put a helmet on to go, you know, buy groceries. You, you, you put the helmet on to protect. Soldiers put helmets on to, to not get hurt. Well, why would God put a helmet on his head? He, he, he has no head. He's spirit. He doesn't need to protect his head. It's a statement of, of, of this is going to take something forward. So all of that is in the background but that's one of the two other places in the Bible where this helmet of salvation imagery appears. The second place this helmet of salvation imagery appears is also in another letter of the Apostle Paul. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5-8, through 8, Paul says, For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and sober. Pause right there. Typically, sleep um, in a lot of Paul's writings is a metaphor for death. When, when Christians are, told, are, are talked about, some have some are sleeping or some have slept. In this case, he's contrasting sleep. Sleep being uh, um, lack of activity, lack of spiritual activity, just being passive to the world. So he's saying, don't do that. Keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So there it is again. The context here in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is, is writing to a church that had questions about the end of the world. Some, some bizarre teaching had, had gotten to them where people were saying, um, you know, Jesus promised the second coming, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he actually came and you missed it. Wait, what? Um, that, that's the teaching that was going on. And so um, Paul gets wind of this, and the poor uh, Thessalonians say that three times fast. Um, the poor folks in the church of Thessalonians, they're, 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 they're upset. I mean, they're beside themselves. They're like, oh my goodness, our faith was in Christ, and, and he's, he came and he left. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for our brothers and sisters who died? And so they have all these questions. So Paul writes two letters to them to, to, to tell them, no, that's not happened. It's going to happen. And when it does happen, he gives some descriptions of, of what times will be like. And this passage comes from a section where he's saying, it's going to be bad. There's, there's, there, there's going to be a section in time when Jesus returns where there'll be a battle. Where, where you as Christians will need something to withstand what's happening. So on that day, on the day of the Lord, he says... Be sober. 
Don't be passive. Be, be attentive. Put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So he's saying prepare yourself. Christians, prepare yourself. Um, how? By putting on the armor. Uh, prepare yourself to resist, to fight, that there's a struggle that's going to ensue. Uh, Paul's anticipating some sort of battle that will take place and that in, in, in a number of different senses will will we will participate in. Christians will participate in. So you, you have in this Old Testament idea of God putting on these pieces of armor to, to go forth, to do something, to engage. And then you have in First Thessalonians, Paul telling Christians, put on the, hel- the, the uh, helmet of salvation in the day of the Lord. When the day of the Lord comes, you're going to need these things. So that helps us kind of round out the meaning of what this helmet of salvation is. And so, um, what is it for now? Right? So, what is it for? Um, the text gives us some of this. If you look at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17 again, um, really the entire armor serves um, the same function. What is it for? Well, it's to resist the devil's schemes, verse 11. Um, it's to wrestle against the powers of darkness, verse 12. It's to withstand in the evil day, verse 13. And it's to stand firm, verse 14. So the the whole armor of God facilitates Christians to resist the devil's schemes, wrestle against powers of darkness, withstand in the evil day, and to stand firm. They're a protection for us from these things. Implied in that, ladies, is... This is coming. This is here. As a Christian, Paul is trying to get us all to understand that the armor of God is not something that we tuck away in the closet. The armor of God is something that we wear on a continual basis to help us. Because let's face it, you know, resist the devil's scheme. The, the devil doesn't take naps like we do, right? Um, he, he's, he's out there. He's a spirit creature, much like uh, angels are. They, they don't need physical rest. Um, we do. Um, wrestle against the power of darkness. How many, how many of you ladies knew you were wrestlers? Right? Maybe when, when, when you know, a, a period in your life you, you, you did ballet, or maybe you, 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 I don't know, did something, but, but I'm, you're wrestlers. So the Bible says that you're going to wrestle against the powers of darkness. So, so if I were you, I'd be coming up with a really, like a really cool name for you, you know, like, like a wrestling name. Uh, um, that's who you are. Uh, to withstand in the evil day, to stand firm. And so, so the helmet of salvation is a piece, this is what it is, is a piece of God's armor to help, to help us endure life today and in the future against these things. So let's, let's, let's be a little bit more detailed though. How does it help us resist the devil's scheme? How does it help us wrestle against powers of darkness? I think the best way I can answer that is to give you some examples in scripture where the armor of God has been used to do those very same things. And there is no better example than how the helmet of salvation was used to resist the devil's schemes and to wrestle against the powers of darkness than Luke chapter 4, 
when Jesus um, is taken into the wilderness and he is tempted by Satan. You ladies might know this story really well. Uh, Jesus, filled by the Holy Spirit, is led into the wilderness. He is there for 40 days, for 40 nights. Didn't have a cup of coffee with him. Didn't take a granola bar with him. Uh, no snacks. Didn't have the wonderful food we, we just had. Um, actually, he would have come to the room, and the table that he would have looked at look, would look just like the one in the back. Nothing on it right now. The food's gone. No food for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan shows up and begins to tempt him. And um, he was very crafty. He, he, he schemed. He, he wanted to get Jesus to do certain things to, to invalidate his ministry on earth. Um, that reminds me a lot of what Satan did to Adam and Eve. Now, if you notice, to both Adam and Eve and to Satan and to, and to Jesus, you know what Satan did not do? Satan didn't harm them physically did he? He didn't harm them physically. He didn't throw rocks at Jesus. He didn't curse Jesus. He, he didn't uh, try and manipulate Jesus' emotions. Um, he, he got in Jesus' head. Same thing with Eve. That's where the attack began. So you can begin to see why the helmet of salvation is so important. Jesus puts the helmet of salvation on, and Satan's plans fail. He resists Satan's scheme by holding on to the truth. The truth of God. The, 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 that, those exchanges. Uh, Satan's quoting scripture. Jesus is quoting scripture back to him. Satan's quoting scripture. Satan's quote, uh, Satan quote scripture. Jesus quote back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um... So that's one way, that's one, one example. Satan will lie to you. Satan, Satan will come into your life and, and, and fill your mind with just schemes, with, with, with lies, with deceit. He'll twist God's word. And if, if you don't have that helmet on you know, well, um, it, 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 some of those half-truths and mistruths will get in there and they will wreak havoc on your mind. But that's not the only thing he does, right? That, that, that's not the only uh, thing uh, that we, we can resist his schemes by. Satan will, um, lying about God's word is not the only strategy the devil will use. He used that strategy with Eve. He used that strategy with Jesus. Lying about God's word, about what God's word says. But as time has gone on, Satan's picked up a few tricks, right? I mean, he, 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 his playbook keeps increasing. It just There's more plays and more plays and more plays. Um, there's another strategy to his attacks. There's another st uh, strategy to, to his schemes. Deceit is one of them. The other one is accusations. So, so, one of Satan's most piercing weapons against you and me as Christians is what he accuses us of accuses us of. So, Romans 8, 31 and 33 is an interesting passage. It says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, speaking of God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is a wonderful text, but then this phrase is introduced by Paul. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? 
Why would Paul ask that question? The answer is obviously Satan. And so think of Job, and think of this story in the Old Testament of, of, of Job bringing up accusations about Job. They were deceitful, but he brought them nonetheless. Now think about the devil accusing you and me. It's fascinating. Satan will bring about accusations about you to God that are lies. However, Satan will accuse you before God of things that are true. One of Satan's greatest weapons against you is your past. One of Satan's greatest tool to get you to doubt and fear is the knowledge of your sins. He knows some of them, most of them, I don't know how many. Word gets out in the spiritual realm. That Ronald, he, he, he did that thing. So guess what he's going to do? He's going to come and tell me, I'm going to go tell God the Father. I'm going to go tell God the Father on you that you did this. I can't believe you did this, Ronald. I can't believe you did this. And you know what? I did do that. I did. I'm guilty of the sin that he's accusing me of, right? He's going to make up stuff. He's going to lie. But when he stands before the Father, he's going to accuse me of things. And how is that going to make me feel? It's going to make me feel horrible. Because I can't say, you stinking liar. You got nothing on me. That's actually not true. He does have dirt on each and every one of us. The helmet of salvation, however, reminds us that God is for us. The helmet of salvation reminds us that yes, God is intricately aware, more aware than Satan of how we have fallen short. Yet, I did not read this part on purpose of Romans 8. It says, immediately after the question, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Paul answers, it is God who justifies. See, that's the bit that Satan's going to leave out. Satan's going to try and scare you with, 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 with reminders of our sin. But if you believe in Christ, the helmet of salvation reminds you that you've been justified by faith through grace. And you don't have to worry about the repercussions of that sin because the repercussions of that sin fell on a cross 2,000 years ago. That's the part that Satan will leave out. Remember, helmets are worn to protect from deadly head injuries. Now, Satan's not going to throw rocks at you, but, but he is going to throw mental grenades. He, he's going to throw uh, arrows that are going to pierce your mind. They're going to flood your thoughts. And, 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 and you're just going to be confused and, and, and wondering, does God really love me? Does God really care for me? Do, 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 I've done this. Satan's right. Satan's right. I talk to Christians that struggle with this continually. The helmet of salvation is that peace that comes on your head and assures you you are a son, you are a daughter of God in spite of what you've done because what Christ has done is greater. That's what the helmet of salvation does. Um, one final thought. Um, you know, you have to... 
you have to, I, 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 I don't, have not had the privilege of serving in the military, but the very little I know about um, what soldiers wear, um, it's my understanding that, you know, there, there, there's a certain requirement for readiness in combat, your, your gear, your, have you have y'all ever seen like a, like, like a soldier with wrinkled clothing or gear or just like tattered helmets? No. I mean, th th those dude and dudettes, they're sharp, they're clean, I mean, they're ready to go, right? There's a, there's a level of care for what they're wearing. Uh, that, for one, they want to communicate something, but also just for the sake of function, right? Um, you do not want to go into battle with a gun that jams because it was dirty and you failed to clean it. Uh, you also don't want to go into battle with a helmet that has a strap broken because as soon as you do that, helmet's going to go that way, right? So how do we keep our helmet shiny? How, how, how do we care for the helmet of salvation? Again, this, this young lady, um, maybe if she'd have worn a helmet, she wouldn't have that scar on her cheek. Um, but but, but how, how do you keep your helmet shiny? Um, one general idea to this. We keep our helmet shiny by constantly reminding ourselves of the, the, the eternal perspective of truth. As a Christian, your mind, your thoughts should always go back to the eternal perspective, the eternal things. Not necessarily forgetting about today, but certainly not forgetting about eternity. Um, Paul gives us uh, a thought in Colossians 3. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How do we do that, Paul? Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is not an earthly truth. That is an eternal truth. And so when Satan comes and accuses you, you set your mind on the eternal perspective, and you say, Satan, you might be right, but... My life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, notice how that, that's a future action. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, there's a promise of the eternal perspective. When Christ appears one day in that day of the Lord, guess what will not happen to us? God is not going to abandon us. God's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. Quite the opposite, he promises us that we will appear with him. The Apostle Peter shares another thought as well. He says in 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this. To an inheritance... Inheritance or something in the future, right? It's a perspective that's not on today, on tomorrow. That is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. The helmet of salvation seals that truth in God's word. That whatever lie Satan can come up with, whatever lie one of Satan's demons can come up with, whatever mis- um, truth you can believe in, your own flesh can, can lead you to believe, God, God's going to leave me, God's, I just, I'm not good enough, I haven't measured up to God. His word says that there is an inheritance that's imperishable, 
undefiled and unfading. You can't tarnish your salvation, right? Um, you, you, th- th- there's nothing you can do to, to, to uh, like notch down your salvation. So you came to Christ at 20, and then you, you lived to be 120, and, and those 100 years of life, um, you, you committed, you know, 200 sins. And so, so your, your, your salvation credit score started here, and then every, every sin had got kind of, you know, layered back, and you're like, great, I should have come to Christ when I was 119, and then died 120, and then therefore, you know, that's not how salvation works. When you come to Christ, the promise of God and his presence and his companionship with you for eternity, it's imperishable. It's unfading. It never goes away. It's it never tarnished. And it's kept for you in heaven. Now listen to this. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. One of the most incredible truths about the armor of God, about the helmet of salvation, is that there's... There's two agents. There's two people working the helmet. You are, and God is. So you 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 are. You put on the helmet of salvation, and as you're in the Word, as you pray, as you gather in settings like this. By the way, you're 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 shining up the helmet. You're you're increasing the uh, your 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 resistance to uh, Satan and his schemes and his lies. You're equipping yourself. But here's a beautiful thing. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith. So you're not alone in this. God, God is also doing that with you. So you're, you're, you're spit shining your helmet of salvation. And, and God is too. And, 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 so, and so what does this look like? When you read passages of scripture. And then you close your Bible. You go through life. And then an accusation of, of Satan comes up. If you have bad memory like I do, I have terrible memory, um, the helmet of salvation is inoperative. I, I have nothing to, to resist the Satan's schemes because I don't remember what the, the word says, right? Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And when a temptation shows up, what does God do? He defends me. Scripture says there's not temptation. Every temptation God provides an avenue out, right? He promised his disciples. He said, listen, you know, um, when I leave, um, you guys are going to speak before governors. You guys are going to speak before people. Uh, Don't worry about what you're going to say. That's memory. I will put words in your mouth. Wow! Okay? Do do you think that when Jesus went into into the... um, into the in, 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 into the wilderness, uh, that that he 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 took like a, a folio with him or books with him or or, or 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 like a binder with like quick answers to Satan with him, you know. Okay, so when Satan says this, okay, go to section three, paragraph two. No, I, he he took the Holy Spirit with him, and as that engagement happened with Satan, the, the Holy Spirit was 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 you know putting bullets in his gun. Was, was providing him that defense to help against the attacks of Satan. So that's how this worked. That's the promise of Scripture. That you are not left to yourself with an armor. All right, so God's like, okay, put this armor again and then see ya. Good luck. You know, stay away from that place. And No, put this armor and I'll walk with you. 
That's, that's the idea. So I'm excited for you ladies. I'm excited for um, the next several weeks. Uh, I'm excited for a number of reasons as well. Belinda, this might be the, the most number of different speakers they're going to have. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, yeah, uh, a couple of new speakers. Uh, I think you'll have a new speaker every, every um, God's Pearls. I think so. So no repeats. Um, and let me, let, me, let me pray for us, ladies. There's some questions on the table for you ladies to discuss, but let me, let me pray for you um, as you enjoy time together. Father, how grateful we are that you, that you equip us, Lord, um, that you, you, you give us supernatural weapons, O oh Lord, to resist the supernatural attacks of, of an enemy we can't see, we can't hear, uh, we can't touch, um, that shows up without our awareness, Father, and that can be scary. Um, but Lord, you, you, you've granted us gifts and, and how to use those, those gifts, Father. So thank you, Lord. I, I pray that every, every one of my dear sisters here, Father, would, would shine their helmet of salvation, O Lord, uh, that they would trust your promises, Father. That they would uh, seek your word, O Lord. When, when their hearts are are invaded, Father, with with thoughts of uh, being unacceptable, being being unworthy, be, being unlovable, be, being someone uh, who who shouldn't be loved or cared or, or or should be rejected by you, even Father. I pray that in those moments, Father, the helmet of salvation would would bring about those reminders of your word, of your promise, assuring them that the blood of Christ was shed on their behalf. And if they have proclaimed Christ as their Savior, then they are lovable, then they are worthy, then they are someone meaningful, then they are someone who has secured salvation that is undefiled, imperishable, waiting for them in heaven, Father. So seal those truths into each one of these ladies' hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.